Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. GAF, we protect what matters most. It is another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. I do inside sales for Home Builder Supply in Wilson Greenville. Across from me, General Contractor, owner of SureTop Roofing and TV star, co-star, supporting actor. How would you set your position as that, Donnie? I don't know. They just call me the general contractor, so I think I'm I'm just the guy there to explain how this thing works. And and would you real quick explain for people who may have been living under a rock what we're talking about when I say TV star? Not a TV star at all, but we are currently filming season two of Fifty Fifty Flip on A and E Network. So we're a little over halfway through the filming process, which has been really exciting. I know that we tried to take the Carolina Contractor Show to video a couple times, but you and I are so busy with life, work, and kids, so forth, that um, we just never got that off the ground, really. But I've learned a lot, and the production crew are pros, and uh, it's been a heck of a learning experience. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody stays with us and tunes in for season two, which will air late this year, early next year. They haven't set a date yet. Right. And for everybody listening also, they did come into the radio station. We filmed an episode of the show, so we might be uh, on that together. But uh, you can you can watch uh, season one right now, 50-50 Flip, and just be ready to see Donnie all the time on that show. But again, the Carolina Contractor Show is primarily radio. We just happen to be lucky enough to have Donnie on the show. And, and, and the show is about, what do we say? Our show is kind of like a sports center for DIYers. And today's show is going to kind of be a subject like that. It sounds ominous. It's called warning signs. But what we're talking about is things you can do to avoid long-term or bigger problems with your house. Your house speaks to you, but not like a horror movie, like get out of the house. It actually shows you things that are wrong with your house that you can, a warning sign to take care of something, right? Absolutely. And I use this example in the roofing world. And I used to tell folks, your roof will tell you, hey, you know, it's time to either get me some attention or get me replaced. And a house is much of the same. Well, we we made the example years ago, sort of like your body works, you know, each thing works in conjunction with the other thing. So all the systems of your home have to play nice. And if you know what you're looking for and and just something seems out of the ordinary, in most cases, your house will tell you something's going to break before it actually breaks. You just have to be sensitive to that. And also, by being preventative and recognizing those warning signs, you can save a lot of money because water heater, not a hot water heater, but a water heater sometimes around the pipe connections, you'll see a little copperish buildup start around those connections. And that means those seals on it are getting ready to go. Don't wait for a water heater to go. Hey, Percentage-wise, let me hit you with a question. Oh, Lord. How many people do you think say hot water heater versus water heater? I think it's something in the neighborhood of 50%. I would actually say it's probably a solid majority say hot water heater. Yeah, I just told that story today. We were filming, and I got about two or three hot water heaters, and I said, please don't say that in front of Eric Smith because he's going to get you. I said it took me about a year to break the habit, but yeah, I probably should have worded my last comment as home maintenance is a real thing, and really looking... Like you mentioned, being proactive and, and getting ahead of some of these things by knowing what you're looking for is a real thing. You could almost make yourself a checklist of yearly things to look at. Um, and and if you're not that person, I know a lot of people live busy lives. So it's not that they're uh, not checking things out. You have three kids in the house and you work a full time job. Then, you know, something you may want to look into is a, a whole house warranty. This used to be a Sears Roebuck thing where they offered a whole house warranty on appliances and just basically all the working parts of your house. But there are several companies out there online that offer really good whole house warranties. 
I've heard mixed things, but I've heard more good than bad. And I really, it's kind of like insurance, you know, you're buying air until you need it. And so when you need it, do they pay out? And we talk about that with insurance companies, but yeah, I would definitely do some homework on a whole house warranty if you're not very maintenance handy. Donnie gave me a present several years ago, and we both think everybody should have it. And you've got a story to tie to this, but it's a book you can find on Amazon for like 15 bucks called How Your House Works. And as you said at the beginning of the show, Donnie, you're going to live in a house sometime in the future, whether you own it or not. And there's stuff that you can fix. And you just had an opportunity to present that book or show some people that book and why they should get it right. Yes, sir. We filmed at the local community college and we got to see the technical program that has all the trade schools and actually got to tour the facility. It's really nice, Alamance Community College. But they offer, you know, HVAC electrical training and uh, basically they have a faux house under a roof. And so you go from one room to learn electrical to the other room to learn HVAC. The other room is plumbing and uh, really just an impressive setup. But the one thing I said that changed uh, the way that I look at a lot of things, I mean, the very first chapter in that book, How Your House Works, is a plumbing diagram, and it explains riser diagrams for supplies and drains. So when I used to work for the engineer, of course, on commercial buildings, we had to draw blueprints for supply and drain layouts, and that really gave me a good grasp. It's basically like you take the plumbing for a building and remove the building, so you can see what the plumbing looks like up and down. A really helpful book, and I, I would recommend anybody, even if you're interested in construction, thinking about buying a house, or if you already own a house, it's the best $15 you can spend. All right, this is the Carolina Contractor Show. Today's topic, warning signs your house gives out. It's not scary necessarily. It is if you let it go, but these are some things that we can look for in a house and determine, hey, need to take care of this now. And you mentioned at the beginning of the show, talking about roof, I one time had an issue with pipe boots, uh, had some siding done, and the contractor noticed that the pipe boots was kind of dry rotted out. And he said, we need to replace those. It was an expensive thing to do. And he took care of that. You mentioned looking at your um, shingles, that that glistening thing that you might think looks magical, but actually is a sign that the shingles are wearing out and need to be replaced. Just walking around and looking at the outside of your house, starting with the roof. What else can you look for on the roof? Is there anything else? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the roof part first because I wanted to comment on the fiberglass showing, you know, a lot of people, the misconception with roofing is that the granules on top are the actual roofing material or the uh, means for keeping the water out. When in fact, the granules are just the color. We call it the sunscreen and the real roofing is the fiberglass mat under the asphalt granules. So uh, the reason that an insurance company will replace your roof after a hailstorm is that the uh, hail strikes displace the asphalt granules. So they expose that fiberglass mat. The manufacturer says that your shingles will deteriorate at an accelerated rate after a hailstorm. So no manufacturer's warranty after that. But if you go out and you notice that you have the, like you said, glistening and it almost like it has a sparkle, to your roof, then you probably need to get somebody out to check that out. Uh, The pipe boots are the other big thing and flashing. So uh, pipe boots have an average pipe boot. Let me reword that. We use better than average pipe boots, but the average pipe boot has a lifespan of five to eight years. So if you have a 30 year shingle, you can do the math. You know, roofs, people don't think about roof maintenance until it leaks, but definitely having somebody out to check out the pipe boots is a real thing. And it doesn't hurt anything to add an extra pipe boot if you change those out. Uh, that way, the pipe boot underneath never sees a light of day. Uh, no pun intended, but it it is definitely a, a cheap insurance to have in place. And of course, I guess the last obvious thing I would 
say to look for with the roof is missing shingles. Two quick things. The pipe boots are really cheap. They run for under 10 bucks each. You can check your local supply store for that. The other thing, I'm not going to mention the my insurance company, but your insurance on your house for a roof replacement can be changed. Insurance companies now want to know how old your roof is. Because if your roof is like over 10 years old, especially over 15, they're not going to give you a full price replacement on that. All right, let's uh, look at something else tied to the house. You got your your overhangs and, and ventilation, and this is your wheelhouse to talk about, Donnie. Yeah, I'll say that the boxing or overhangs is, um, that's the way that most people know those by. Um, and, and a lot of older homes don't have overhangs. But if you do have overhangs on the eaves, you should have some sort of intake ventilation uh, the eaves are an easy way to remember this is everywhere there's a gutter attached. So the angles, the angled part of the boxing is known as a gable or a rake. Uh, gable is kind of the slang term, but um, I would say that at the eaves, that's where everything is supposed to be vented. So you could almost look at it as the lower or the lowest point of your roof system. And the reason that's important is because all new roofs require ridge vent. So from a passive ventilation stack effect that we talk about, Oftentimes, uh, the air has to enter the attic from the eaves. So if you don't have any kind of holes or uh, intake for your attic ventilation, then that's something you want to consider adding. If you get a new roof with an exhaust at the very top, meaning the ridge vent, and you have no way for air to get in there, then the ridge vent can't do its job. So that's just something to look for. I'll transition from that to get on gutters. I'm a big fan of six inch aluminum seamless gutters. The five inch is what you see more common, but every time we do a replacement, I say, hey, you know, if it's a small house with a modest roof pitch, then you're not getting a lot of volume off of that roof during a rainstorm, not even with a gully washer. But if you have, uh, uh, say, a 15, 20 foot rafter run on an eight to a 12 pitch, that water's coming off very aggressive. And it doesn't sound like a big increase, but that extra inch of gutter is everything. And it only costs about a dollar more per foot. So you're not talking thousands, you're talking hundreds to upgrade to a six inch gutter. Another thing to look for with your gutters is where the downspouts drop. The rule of thumb is every 30 feet, you need a downspout. So if you turn a corner, 30 feet even gets smaller. So you may only want to go 25 uh, feet or so with a turn in the middle of that 30 foot span. That's a big deal. Oftentimes you see these larger homes and the architect didn't design the roof to be friendly to the gutter. So you've got 5,000 square feet of roof frontage and it's dumping into about eight, I don't know, 15 feet of gutter. And that just doesn't even sound right, much less look right, much less function right. So, uh, you know, take a, take a walk around and check out your gutters and make sure that you have adequate downspouts. Um, this is pretty obvious, but you know, keeping the gutters clean, uh, that's something they can't function the way that they're supposed to if they're always dirty. So if you have a heavy tree cover, you definitely want to enlist someone to clean your gutters at least twice a year if you can't do that by yourself. And if that's something that you can't do there, you know, a gutter company always will offer a gutter guard as a an option. I prefer a gutter helmet if it's compatible with your shingles. Uh, it basically sheds leaves. The gutter guard sits flat on top of the gutter, so it'll actually hold the foliage. And, you know, still one of those things where you have a little bit of maintenance. And also, if you're ever cleaning out your gutters and you notice little granular material in your gutter, that's a sign your shingles are deteriorating because a lot of that will roll in the gutter, but the water isn't enough to get it out and through the downspouts. Mm, good point. That didn't cross my mind. Um, I'd say that uh, siding, if you're working your way from the roof down, the siding or the veneer, that would be the next thing to look for. You know, fading with your siding, which is really not a problem, but, you know, they make a paint called super paint and you can actually have your siding painted. Until we started doing all these flips, of course, I was, the majority of my work was new construction. So uh, I'm amazed. I am amazed at how 
the super paint will stick to the vinyl siding. I never thought it would work the way that it does, but you can't even tell it's painted. So having your siding painted is a, is much cheaper than replacing the vinyl siding altogether. So if fading is happening, then that's always an option. I would say with brick veneer, you know, cracking is the biggest thing. And we talk about if it's a diagonal crack, then it's probably something structural. So uh, definitely need to get that checked out by, you know, foundation jack company or at the very least a, a brick mason sometimes when a house settles you know it'll do its thing and it's finished settling so those cracks look scary but they're not if it hasn't moved in years then you're probably okay and i'd say with brick veneer if i had to call out one more maintenance thing i would say sealing around your windows because on the south facing uh, elevation of your house you know that that silicone around the windows is going to deteriorate there's no way around it I have a porch over my south-facing elevation, and I've had to recalk my windows about every six or seven years. So definitely something to look for there. All right. We hear a lot of commercials about foundation repair. So how serious is that a sign that you need to take care of it, Donnie? It's case by case. I would say that um, if your house was built pre-1980s, then you probably need to give it a little more attention. I know that they enforce code in this area around 1980, 83-ish, uh, depending on the municipality. But I would say that uh, definitely... If it's an older home, you probably want to give that some attention. Um, if it has settled and it's, it's a newer home, you know, that pretty much sounds like it doesn't have an adequate footing under there. So it could be a number of things, but that's pretty much a no brainer. I mean, that that's going to tell you it, it doesn't look right at all when you have foundation cracking. And, you know, if you're buying a house, for instance, that's something that hopefully a home inspector would call out. But yeah. Definitely uh, something that's really obvious. All right, Donnie, last thing for the outside of the house before we jump into the uh, interior for a little bit, positive drainage. Could you give a quick definition and some examples of that? Yes. Yeah, so basically, your the building code says that you have to have 10 foot of positive drainage in all directions all the way around your house. So, you know, this really applies to those houses that are sitting downhill from the road. So if you pull in your driveway and you're downhill from the street, then you really have to give this a lot of attention. You have to cut in a swell. You have to accomplish this with underground drains, French drains, things like that. So I think that the main thing to look for here is if water flows away from your house, if you have pooling water, heaven forbid, in front of the garage area, uh, that would be a big problem. But the majority, in most cases, the majority of the volume that you get is from the roof. So if you can think about during a rainstorm, if you can control all that runoff, then that basically accomplishes this for you without anything, anything fancy underground. So uh, what we do a lot of times is we pipe our downspouts underground. We tie a couple of those together with a four inch corrugated pipe and basically we find a spot in the back of the yard, a low spot where it channels all that water from the roof as far away as possible from the house to get rid of that. And in most cases, that'll solve the problem. But if you have um, if you have something that just seems to be lingering, won't go away, you know, we're always open to getting a picture of that. That's kind of uh, something I grew up doing and I understand the drainage. So, you know, feel free to send us a picture and I'll help if I can. Yes, this is the Carolina Contractor Show, and you can send that picture at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. There's a little button that says Ask the Contractor. If you would, though, give us permission to, in case we want to use it on the website to show other people an example or a question you have, if you could do that too. But thecarolinacontractor.com, we're talking about warning signs your house will give you inside and outside and things you need to take care of. And we're about two-thirds of the way through this show, so we're going to jump on the inside. One thing is we sometimes look up at our ceiling, and it, and it might be small, a small little water spot or something, you can't let those things go because it's indicating if it's not occurring now, it didn't pass and you need to find the source of that because water is the path of least resistance and a drop over your kitchen doesn't mean it's something directly above you. It could be something that followed a rafter because you had a 
pipe boot that was bad that went down and caught some framing and came down and second floor it went across another beam and that's where it started dripping. So you need to get those traced right away. Didn't you have a good story about that? Yeah, it was not a good story, but I have a story about it. Long, <laughs> long story short, HVAC system, the drip pan for the condensation uh, got was not set up properly. So the pan overflowed. It did not have the standard alarm. So what was happening is the water condensation ran across a piece of uh, OSB in the attic, which was touching a beam. It went down that and turned hard right and followed the bottom of the HVAC venting system, not the inside, the bottom of it. And then it made a couple left turns and then started dripping. So the drip started in our kitchen and I thought it was our bathroom. I thought, oh my Lord, the toilet or the bathtub is leaking, not leaking. Plumber comes in and cuts it and says, there's nothing leaking there. And it turns out it was all the way back about 40 feet in the other direction, starting in the attic. That's crazy. That's crazy how that works. I've seen that multiple times and, you know, it just goes to show that nothing's ever easy. Nothing's ever too obvious when it comes to a leak. And, you know, we chase them all the time. And the, I guess the good thing to say is that not many of them are ours with SureTop. So, uh, you know, we have a thermal imaging camera that a lot of times will tell the tale. So especially if it's colder weather, because it's a nice uh, controlled ambient temperature inside that attic. And when that, that cold rain comes down there, you know, that, that thermal imaging camera right there on my iPhone will tell me exactly where it's coming in. So a lot of times it's a huge surprise because we would never guess, sort of like what you just said. And Donnie, what happens if water sits there for a while? You can start to build up some mildew. And I never thought about this, um, especially if you have a dark vent from your HVAC system. Sometimes if you have a mold buildup and it's going through your HVAC system and through the vents, it will collect on the register. But if your register is dark, you're not going to see it. And what it's telling you, if it's light colored, you notice it, it's blowing through your system and you've got to treat mold quickly and correctly. Absolutely. And, um, you know, mold is scary, but mold is everywhere. And a lot of times when people hear the word or see anything that resembles it, they freak out. But, you know, mold spores are literally everywhere and it mold needs three things. It needs a cellulose backer to grow on uh, and moisture and the mold spores. So basically, when that combination comes in contact, then then there's no stopping it. But but usually it's easy enough to get under control. And usually any kind of health ramifications that come with that are from prolonged exposure. You know, a little bit of mold exposure. I mean, I can't imagine that 60, 70 years ago they had it everywhere. And I guess the saving grace that they had back then was that houses were so airy that it wasn't able to be contained in a nice envelope of a house like we have now. So, uh, you know, I just can't imagine what they must have went through because there had to be mold in every crack and crevice. And they, you know, roof leak wasn't a big deal as long as you were dry and warm. So anyway, um, the inside of the house is not as sexy as the outside of the house. A lot of these things are boring, but nonetheless, they are issues to address. Um, This is kind of obvious, but going around your house and looking for water spots and like you mentioned, that mold mildew around supplies. Usually if you see mold or mildew around a HVAC supply, it's a good indicator that the boot is not insulated. The boot is actually what's connected from the flex duct to the ceiling register. So it's the intermediate piece between what you see coming out, the air that comes out into the living space and that ductwork that's in your attic or in your crawl space. So if you don't have any insulation around your boots, that's probably what's causing the mold buildup. Transitioning down to walls, I would say that you know, drywall cracks and nail pops are a result of settling or something structural, but 
uh, hopefully that unless it's a new house, you know, the structural defects would have already been addressed or at least shown themselves. So you don't see that a lot, but in a new house, I will say new houses do settle. So nail pops are common. All right, let's move to what we walk over the floors, uh, get some warping on your internal floors, especially if they're hardwood. Sometimes that can be very bad because it can mean underneath the house, you've got a lot of condensation that's causing issues, but sometimes it's really just age, right? Age is, is one of those things uh, that will contribute to the warping for sure. Uh, the way that the hardwood is put down back in the day, so to speak, is is a little different than what we do now. You know, now these flooring companies are so bougie that they won't put the hardwood down unless it's in a con- temperature controlled environment. So the hardwood has to acclimate in the house and the house has to be, you know, upwards of 68 to 70 degrees for three days. And, you know, there's just a lot of conditions. So they got ahead of that. But in older homes, they just kind of put it down and it didn't matter what time of year that it was installed. But um, definitely, if you do have warping and you didn't have warping before, it's an indication that you have a moisture issue. So hardwood floors will tell you that. I think that and and hardwood floors are sensitive. So I think those two things are uh, basically what contributed to LVP taking over everywhere. I mean, we've got million dollar homes and people are putting luxury vinyl plank in a million dollar home. And the reason that they're okay to do now is because they're scratch proof, burn resistant. They are waterproof. So you can use those in wet areas like kitchens and baths now. And they have so many different designs and styles now that uh, they just basically fit just about anything you want to do. So I, I, I definitely am a fan and I give it a full endorsement. On the few minutes we have left on this edition of the Carolina Contractor Show, I want to go over three things. So let's buzz through them. Plumbing, very important. What are some of the things we need to look for? Some warning signs, Donnie. Ooh, a lot to say about plumbing, but um, let me see if I can condense this. Uh, so obviously you want to check under cabinets for leaks. Um, that's that's If it's going to leak in the supply line, usually is where you see that. You know, Normally the drain doesn't hold any water, so people give attention to the drains, but they don't really have a spot where they can leak unless you have a backup and the drain is actually full of water. So it's just good to look under those cabinets about once a year just to check. Um, water heater, you know, that's something with a lifespan. That's one of those things that will have to be changed guaranteed in your house. So keeping an eye on your water heater's age and condition is a real thing. Uh, the temperature is one of those things where I kind of fudge at my personal house because I like hot, hot, hot water and, uh, turn the temperature up on the water heater. And another thing that we've mentioned that's worth saying now is that putting a water heater on a timer is a smart thing to do. Most people take showers in the morning or the evening, so that can save you a lot of money over several years. And if you get a new water heater, do what I did. I took a magic marker and I wrote the date of the install because no matter how old you think it is, you're going to be short by two or three years. Right. So when someone says, when did you get get this last water heater? You can say, oh, I got it right here written down. Oh, it's from 2019. When it gets to 10 years old, maybe think about being proactive and replacing that ahead of time before it goes bad. Absolutely. Uh, another few reasons you might want to call a plumber. If you have discolored pipes, that's a big deal. Uh, if you have sewer odor, that's a good indication that the water in your P-trap has evaporated. Uh, weak water pressure, that can be adjusted. I have a good story about that that maybe we can talk about in a later show. Uh, slow draining sinks, everybody knows that. Then it's definitely a, a clog issue. Uh, uninsulated supply lines are something that people don't look at close enough because we talk about it all the time. You don't know it's an issue until your pipes freeze in the winter and you have no water. You can't get a plumber because the weather's bad and it's just a bad scenario all the way around. Uh, if you live in the city and you're on city water, a spiking water bill will tell you that you have a leak somewhere, somehow. So, uh, that water bill may be something to keep an eye on if it jumps up twenty, thirty dollars in a month, uh, from the supply to the sewer. I'd say that a green patch in your yard, if you have a spot in your yard and you're on a septic tank and it keeps outgrowing the rest of the grass, that's something that you probably need to address. 
Uh, weird water color. These are two things to keep in mind that uh, cloudy water usually means you have air in your lines and uh, yellow or brownish water doesn't mean what you think. It means that you may have rust somewhere getting introduced into your water supply. So definitely want to keep an eye on funny colored water. All right. HVAC, a couple big things you got to check on that. Uh, can you explain succinctly, Donnie, tonnage? Yes. So we always talk about 600 square feet per ton is the rule of thumb for HVAC sizing. You don't want your HVAC to be oversized. In other words, you don't want too many tons per the square foot because the unit's going to cycle on too fast to remove the humidity. So uh, basically, you need to hit your tonnage just right. That's one of those things that you can go to the condenser unit outside and you can take a picture of the tag. If you have a relationship with an HVAC contractor, you can usually text or email that tag and they can tell you pretty quick the age of the unit and the tonnage. So definitely recommend doing that. Last subject, shocking, I know, but electrical. Lots of little things to look for warning signs for, right, Donnie? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, hot outlets, as crazy as that sounds, if you have something that's not adequately wired or you don't have the right amps going to that, you know, that outlet will heat up um, flickering lights. And this isn't just for the October show that we do about scary houses. You know, a flickering light is going to give you a good indicator that you need an electrician. A burning smell, biggest indicator of all. Quick story, my dad had some smoke damage in his house and, and no fire broke out. But what happened was a bird built a nest in the garage motor lamp cover. And so every time the garage came on, that light bulb would burn the nest just a little bit. And we said, hey, we smelled something here smelled something there. And then all of a sudden, you know, it caught on fire, nest drops on a car cover and car cover smolders and send smoke through the house. So, you know, if you have a burning smell, don't just ignore that because you're busy. You need to address that now or like yesterday. Um, another thing, if you have aluminum wiring in your house, so a lot of older houses do have this. And the reason that aluminum wiring is not good is because it oxidizes faster than copper and that causes heat buildup. The statistic I read was that it's 55 times more likely to suffer from fire damage if you have aluminum versus copper wiring. So uh, that that's a big deal. Um, we can go into that on a, a later show because uh, that's more common than you realize. But uh, if you are shocked when you touch anything on the house or you feel a slight vibration, that's a really good indicator that your house is not properly grounded. And I guess the last two obvious things I want to mention are that loose outlets will and I guess the last thing I want to mention are that loose outlets will eventually cause wires to disconnect. So check your outlets, give them a shake. And if it feels loose, then you probably need to flip the breaker, tighten everything up because once that wire disconnects inside of a wall, you're asking for trouble. All right, go to the website, get more information, thecarolinacontractor.com. We thank you so much for joining us. And again, if you have a question about your house or you want to send us a picture of something, uh, maybe it's a DIY project or something you just don't understand. Go ahead and click on the Ask the Contractor button and send that on, and Donnie will answer it, and then we'd like to talk about that stuff on the show. But until next week, we will see you on the next episode of the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show. Learn more at thecarolinacontractor.com. Brought to you by GAF. We protect what matters most.